Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Hockey PDO Cast. If it feels like it's been a while, well, probably because it has been. But the summer's over now, and I'm pretty excited to get back in the saddle. Uh, we did exactly 100 episodes through the first year of the show, which feels like a, a lot of audio content. So for those of you that have either been listening since the very beginning or caught on at some point and went back to listen to the early stuff, I'm really grateful for that. Uh, I'm a pretty diehard listener of various other shows myself, so hearing from people that say they hold this podcast in that type of regard themselves is a really humbling feeling. Um, same with hearing from people who during the hiatus were wondering where the show was and were clamoring for new episodes. Uh, you don't have to wonder anymore because I'm here now and we're, uh, we're going to have a fun season. Uh, before we dive into the show, there are a few pieces of housekeeping that we need to get to. The first is that it'd be really cool if you could take a few seconds to go leave a nice review and rating on iTunes for the podcast. It'll only take a couple seconds, but it'll mean a lot to helping boost the show up the charts and help keep it on the air. So you can check it out on iTunes or you can go on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play or stream it straight from the website HockeyPDOcast.com. The second thing is that I'd like to announce the return of FreshBooks as a sponsor of the show. Uh, seeing as I actually use FreshBooks myself on a regular basis to help keep track of everything, uh, it seems like a no-brainer to continue the partnership with them this season. So um, if you're a freelancer or an entrepreneur like me, you'll probably end up billing people for your work quite often over time. And if you're working on a bunch of different stuff for, for different companies or different employers or, or prepping for things down the road, it can be kind of a challenge to, to keep everything tidy and, and together so uh freshbooks is is really useful in that way the thing is they're even more prepared now than ever before to help you accomplish all that with the launch of their brand new cloud accounting software i know that this has been something that's been in the works for a while now and they've been listening to the masses and trying to figure out how to make it as user-friendly as possible Beyond the snazzy new interface that this provides uh, are a medley of useful features. Whether it's logging the amount of cumulative time you've been spending on various projects or keeping track of your expenses, the goal for them is still the same. To get you ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, to get you paid quickly. You can use FreshBooks to create a professional-looking invoice in under 30 seconds and receive online payments with just a couple clicks. They even allow you to magically see whether or not your client has looked at the invoice you sent them. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of my listeners. To claim it, go to freshbooks.com forward slash PDOcast and enter hockey PDOcast in the how you heard about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash PDOcast. Now let's get to the show. Regressing to the mean since 2015. 
the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me today is, uh, is someone who I've meant to have on for a long time now, but it hasn't worked out for whatever reasons, uh, conflict, conflicts in schedule and, and all that sorts of stuff, and he's really busy with his own work, but it's, uh, it's Chris Peters from CBS Sports. Chris, how's it going, man? Dimitri, it's going it's going well. How are you? I'm good, man. I uh I gotta be honest, I was really enjoying my summer just staying off the grid and not really doing anything. And I honestly thought the World Cup of hockey would be a good excuse to kind of prolong that vacation just because I wasn't personally <laughs> too invested in it and I thought that I might get a few more weeks here before the preseason starts, before I actually have to start doing some work. But you know what? I've 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 really enjoyed the play and there's been uh quite a few storylines that come out of it that are worth talking about, so they've kind of dragged me out of my uh, hibernation. Yeah, no, I, I know this. I know the feeling. I was kind of enjoying my off season as well. But yeah, this this tournament um, really, I think, uh, exceeded expectations. And um, yeah, I mean, especially just with Team North America being as cool as it was. And I think that really brought the tournament to a new level. I think that was part of it. And, um, you know, obviously the, the American flame out, uh, certainly <laughs> provides plenty of fodder. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is amazing how, how much, uh, I've enjoyed the tournament much more than I thought I would. And, and I'm glad to see it, uh, bring some, some good hockey to September. I mean, this is usually the, the a dragging month where we're dealing with the preseason, but this yeah. has been, this has been fun. Well, I think it was definitely at a little bit of a crossroads there because I, I could see it going either way, right? Like, it could have been just sort of like a lackadaisical exhibition tournament where no one was really caring and it would have been something that wouldn't have been too interesting. But instead, it's actually been pretty competitive and there's been, uh, various storylines from, from Canada's just sheer dominance and insanely stacked roster throughout to, as you mentioned, North America's youth and young talent and, and Team Europe's surprising run and, and, and the, and the U.S. And I think that, uh, when I think of U.S. hockey, I think of Chris Peters. I know that uh, you're, you're all in on that brand. So uh, it, it made perfect sense to have you on to discuss whatever happened there with that team. Yeah, what did happen? I, I've been trying to rack, wrap my head around it. I, you know, it's, it, it is funny. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, for my background, I spent three years at USA Hockey and uh, started my, my first blog before CBS was all mostly national team, world juniors, uh, American hockey prospects, kind of that. Uh, that was my niche. And, and then I've obviously expanded in the NHL now. But um yeah i mean it is uh that was uh well it was something (laughs) i'm not sure what it was but it was something well there's a there's a lot to unpack and i think that a a, a logical starting point for us is whenever something goes off the rails like it did uh with this team there's obviously going to be finger pointing involved and people trying to figure out who's to blame so i think i think i have my answer but I'll, i'll tee it up for you who do you think is primarily to blame for what happened with this team well, I think it it has to start at the top. You know, I, I think Dean Lombardi kind of set the tone very early on when he was hired. And, and we kind of had some hints as to the team that he wanted to build. That was all talking about roles, the importance of, of players buying in, uh, the importance of, uh, you know, following in the footsteps of the 1996 team that was, uh, you know, far more talented than, than people seem to remember. Um, but, you know, it, there were that that's that's kind of where it starts and then it you know it goes he he's the one that brought on John Tortorella he's the one that you know made some of the the decisions that the the, the team made and it's kind of followed and it, I, I really think U.S. roster construction has kind of been devolving a little bit, um, you know, at, at the upper level, um, as we've seen, uh, you know, from from the Olympics to this. And, and then obviously the results kind of went that way. So um, obviously the philosophy 
you know, Dean Lombardi laid it out. He didn't back away from it after Team USA lost. He just said, this is, uh, th- we picked the team the, with the style that we thought could beat Canada. Yeah. Turned out, couldn't beat Europe, couldn't beat the Czech Republic. Uh, so that's where it starts for me. It's Dean Lombardi. Yeah, the, the, the infatuation with that 96 team, I feel like uh, it became a, re- a real just kind of running joke on Twitter. But it's it's weird. Like, it, I'm thinking back to 96. I, I was four years old myself, and I didn't even speak <laughs> a lick, lick of English at the time. I still hadn't come to Canada. So it's like, it's one of those things where you'd like to think that uh, the, the people responsible for building the team would take maybe a more modern approach, something that's something that's happened in the past 20 years as opposed to uh, looking back at kind of lionizing the glory days. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was 12 and that team meant a heck of a lot to me at that point because, yeah. uh, you know, I, I grew up a, a Chicago Blackhawks fan. And so I had never experienced, you know, a hockey championship before. So I understand the infatuation with it because obviously it was a great team, but they also had six Hall of Famers on that team. You know, they had Brett Hull leading the tournament and scoring in, in just being a, a completely dominant player mm-hmm. uh, in that tournament. So they have these guys at the peak of their, their, their talent. Um, and, you know, I think some of the decisions to bring some of the grinders, they definitely had guys that, that, that were grinding physical players. Um, but there were guys that kind of like Chelios, who was both a grinding physical player, but also very good. Um, so, you know, the, the fact is, is that the U S roster and the talent pool right now, even with team North America, there are enough guys that you could have brought that would have given you a, a team that could still be physical, that could still score. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, they, they felt like they were behind the eight ball, no matter what. Um, and it's true the the, I think the first key to beating Canada is understanding that you cannot stop them. You have to figure out how to counter what they have. And and that was, to me, the big failing of this tournament is that they didn't counteract. They wanted to uh, build a roster they thought that could inflict punishment, could inflict, um, you know, a, a defensive style that was going to be too difficult for Canada's best forwards to get through. Um, and that is a mistake, you know, and I think we've seen other teams play a little bit more competitively against Canada um, where it wasn't necessarily they were defending all that well. It was they were just trying to to make the saves and then counter with a, an offensive attack. And we saw that against Russia in the semifinals. Um, and, and so that focus on Canada really was to the detriment, because if you get through to the to the championship round or the semifinal round, you know, anything can happen at that point. So you have to at least get there. And the way that the tournament was set up, you'd figure that Europe and Czech Republic were games that you had to have. So you had to at least beat those guys and then you're in. Um, and then they, they, they just went winless throughout. So to me, that's the real disappointment here. It starts at the very beginning when they built the roster, when they picked the head coach, um, you know, in hindsight, uh, you know, we, we all have hindsight now and, and we know that it was a, not just a, a risky play. It was a complete and utter fla- failure. Yes. And I, well, I, I think the, the key thing there is that, you know, you're definitely not going to be able to match a team like Canada, you know, strength on strength in terms of talent mm-hmm. and, and outscore them and outskill them. But that doesn't mean that you should just completely go the other way and just forego uh, skill entirely, right? Like, it's not like if you take guys like, a, let's say, a Tyler Johnson or a Kevin Shattenkirk or a Justin Falk or guys like that that were sort of the notable omissions from this team when they announced it a few months ago. It's not like you bringing those guys and all of a sudden saying, well, we also can't play a, you know, a defensively responsible brand of hockey. Like, it's it, those two things, the, the offense. <laughs> of the defense sort of go hand in hand right it's like a symbiotic relationship it's not just one or the other right yeah exactly and i i think that really 
it started with the defense where where that's where the the mistakes were made the biggest mistakes i know everybody wants to focus on on phil kessel not being there obviously he wouldn't have been able to with the hand injury or tyler johnson caliposo but to me you know you touched on justin falk he was one of the biggest omissions to me kevin shattenkirk right up there with him mm-hmm. you know you could even talk about keith yandel uh you know guys that like that that move the puck i think that it's so important to have a, a decor that can get the puck up ice quickly um you know to try and beat Canada in transition they had the forwards that could do it they didn't necessarily have the defensemen that were getting back and, and, and getting the pucks and up the ice and, and, and triggering that transition um you know john carlson was one uh ryan mcdonough did it for for some time you know some of the tournament um you know ryan Suter can play that way uh but they were stuck defending the entire time it really never came to fruition i think if you have guys that can control the puck and move it you're going to have a better opportunity and that's where you know again you're not going to beat canada skill on skill everybody understands that but if you can have you know, you you know your your goalie is going to have to be important for you. You're, you're going to get outshot. It's just the way it's going to be. How do you exploit the mistakes? How do you the, the few mistakes that are going to be made? And that's that's one of the things that Europe has kind of built their team around is that you know we're going to play conservative hockey, but we've when we pick we're going to pick our spots and they pick their spots extremely well. It's dangerous to do it, no mm-hmm. question. But you're not going to win the possession battle anyway. So, you know, maybe try and, and figure out ways that you can exploit the opposition. And, you know, you look at Europe and it's guys like Andre Kopitar, Leon Dreisaitl, you know, even uh, Tomas Tatar, those guys that, that that have the skill that when you give them an opportunity, they're going to have success. And, and the U.S. had those guys. They just couldn't play a brand, a style of hockey that put the puck in, the, in their hands enough. Right. And when we're trying to kind of divvy out the blame here, you mentioned Lombardi. He was responsible for building the team. But I think also the big failing was uh, he was, I imagine, the person responsible for also empowering John Tortorella, hiring him and then giving him uh, the leeway to make these uh, personnel decisions, not in terms of the guys they actually brought, right? We saw uh, Dustin Bufflin being shifted between defense and forward and then being healthy mm-hmm. scratched. And it was very, very puzzling to me because uh even from the guys they brought i feel like they didn't optimize that set of players as well yeah you're you're exactly right i mean it, it was kind of interesting to see how how everything kind of devolved <laughs> as time went on there um you know dustin bufflin was one of the first 16 players named to the to the team and to me that that showed me that there was some in, innovative thinking because bufflin had never played on a national team before at mm-hmm. any level um and finally he gets his opportunity um and so i thought you know okay well there's that but then you, you know when we see the next layer of players and it's brandon dubinsky and jack johnson you know it becomes very evident how much control John Tortorella, um, you know, had in that decision because, you know, Jack Johnson didn't make the team in 2014 uh, for the Olympics. And it was to that group. It was tough to leave him off. He didn't get any better over the next two years. And then he was on the team. So that was uh, that was really troubling, I thought. And it showed that that, you know, Tortorella had this style and, you know, the the reasons that he said that he brought him, you know, the, the one of the classic quotes is that when Jack Johnson makes a mistake, he makes it out of aggression. Um, and he wants guys that make mistakes out of aggression. It's not often that you're going to hear a head coach t- talking about how he likes a guy, the, the way a guy makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that that was there. And, and then um, certainly, you know, then you bring Brandon Dubinsky. And it's very clear to me is, uh, you know, when he was on there, I was like, OK, so this if this roster is designed to beat Canada, he's obviously there to, to annoy Sidney Crosby. And that's going to be his primary role on the team. Doesn't dress against Canada, which right. to me was fine because he 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 did not have a good game against Europe. He took a, a, a bad penalty. Um, and, and so, yeah, so those are all those decisions that kind of pile up. And then to have made those decisions, you lose the flexibility then. 
um, to, to bring in a guy or to, to have guys that have more offensive ability because you're trying to stick with that style, um, you know, and, and you, you kind of stick with the David, David Backus and, um, you know, Eric Johnson, you know, and Eric Johnson was one, wasn't one of the ones where I was like, oh, gosh, that guy shouldn't be there. Right. But he was still like one of those, you know, could we have had somebody that that was a little more offensive for the U.S. there is it could have, you know, it, it's just really, uh, you know, they, they were so focused on 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 the aggression. We saw it in the, the, the preliminary round games, too. I'm sorry to, to be all over the place here, but but yeah, but in that, those those uh, those those pre tournament games it was very clear what they were trying to do. And I think they, they, they kind of spent all of their, their energy in those games playing that style. And then all of a sudden we see, you know, the, the result in the actual tournament, Canada was playing, you know, a different game uh, compared to, to before. And the U S was trying the same things over and over again. So yeah, certainly John Tortorella is going to deserve quite a bit of blame. I mean, I, I, you know, you look at some of the coaches in the U.S. pool right now, guys that could have been options that that play a completely different brand of hockey. Peter Laviolette jump comes to mind. Mike Sullivan, who was right next to Tortorella on yeah. the bench, um, you know, and and obviously, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of influence there because you, if you were hoping to see a team play anything similar to what the Penguins were doing to win a Stanley Cup, uh, the U.S. did the exact opposite. Well, I, I, for people that don't know or don't don't follow his work, uh, Bill Simmons a handful of years ago uh, coined the term the Mike Tyson zone, where basically uh, Mike Tyson had reached this point where uh, you could hear a story involving him, and regardless of how ridiculous it sounded, you just have to believe it because it's Mike Tyson. And I feel like Tortorella reached the point with quotes where uh, I could I could I could open up Twitter and see some quote that's completely fabricated and I just have to believe it just because he's reached that level of uh, just 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 random comments I mean there's a lot of uh, low-hanging fruit here but I, I think the best one was when he was asked about the thinking behind putting Abdelkader on the same line as Patty Kane and his response was there wasn't any thinking involved and I think that just summed everything up very neatly yeah yeah that was that was a classic i you know the 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 full context made it a little softer but not really um you know so yeah i mean the thing is is justin amdelkader is is a first line player Mm -hmm. for the detroit red wings right there is a salary cap in the national hockey league there is not in the world cup of hockey you know so that that is that is kind of you know yes he plays with good players he is supposed to open up space but that was all those those decisions they were building this team based on you know these ideas that just didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense and you know the thing is is when you go 0 and 3 every single thing deserves to be nitpicked and in in USA hockey should be nitpicking every decision where did we go wrong with this roster should be the 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 common theme and then it was obvious to pretty much everyone outside of the decision-making process that this was not going to be a team that was going to have a great chance. Uh, and as you mentioned, they went in the opposite direction. They made themselves less talented. You know, they, they even got, they weren't even as fast as a normal U S team is. That's kind of been one of the hallmarks of, of USA hockey. It certainly was in 2010 and in other years, but you're going back to the well with the same guys and they're not as quick as they used to be. Um, you know, so yeah, so there, there, there were so many things that went wrong and now they have to really kind of do some soul searching to figure out why this keeps happening. Yeah. I think that, okay, just, just to, to put a bow on this, like, I, I think the, <laughs> the, the, the thing that frustrates me the most is, uh, it's, 
Lombardi's quotes about sort of uh, caring and all this stuff as if, you know, uh, having a certain level of desire to win these games is what's going to make the difference. I mean, these guys are playing at the highest level and they're all competitive athletes and, you know, they're representing their country on a national stage. I'm sure that any single player that would have come to this team would have uh, tried their very best. But at the end of the day, it's like it's it's sort of missing the forest for the trees, right? It's like you need a, a certain level of ability to actually put you over the top. And it was all these quotes about guys like Abdul and Bacchus and how they're the nucleus of caring, quote unquote. Yeah. I don't even know. Have you still figured out what that means? Like, do we need like <laughs> do we need to get some astrophysicists on the case here? Like, I don't, I don't yeah. even know what that the nucleus of caring even involves. Yeah, no, I know. I, I really do enjoy a, a good Dean Lombardi press conference because he does. <laughs> he's going to bring out some things and you're just like, what is he talking about? But, you know, you know that he he, he knows what he's talking about, I guess. But yeah, it's it's really that that was the thing. And, and to me, it was never a question of whether or not this team cared. I think they did. You know, I think that all the players tried hard. You know, I don't think that anybody laid down um, and it and, and we see what the results still are after the fact. And, you know, and 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 Lombardi talked about how, you know, it'll sit with him that the players were crying after the after the game. And I think that, you know, I'm not at all surprised by that because, you know, Canada, Canada has set the standard now where. They are the team to beat, and I think everybody really desires that. And you know, and, and USA Hockey is is having more success against Canada at the lower levels, where you know we've they've had a few uh, World Junior wins, they've had a lot of under eighteen World Championship wins, and things of that nature. Um, you know, so that that the the mystique of Canada is you know taken away a little bit. But at the same time, if you don't give those players the very best of the best to make the plays to, uh, you know, to have the depth of talent to at least give yourselves a chance, then you're in, in deep trouble. And that's what we've seen is, is, you know, I don't think, you know, that there, there used to be an old stereotype that, that the American player was more of the, the kind of the pampered and, and has, you know, a little bit arrogant. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that, you know, that's, that's less and less the case now. Um, it certainly could have been at, at some point in the past, but, but they're, they're certainly, they come with an attitude. Um, and I think that they've come with the attitude that they can win. And so when they don't, they do have that, that real, you know, sadness and, 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 but this time I, I, I you know, I, the players certainly deserve blame. They did not execute very well in a lot, a lot of those games. But again, you need the guns, you need the, you need the arsenal you, and they did not have it in this tournament. And, obviously to you know the worst result i i tweeted out that this is the biggest disappointment in u.s hockey history Mm -hmm. and i wasn't talking about necessarily the players it's just the entire thing because it was so avoidable and so clearly um you know unfortunate that 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 this is you know this is the first time they've not won a game in a best on best tournament i mean they had some really bad teams in the canada cups over the years and they still managed to win a game there couldn't get it done here um you know the check game, what it was, what it was. There wasn't much to play for. There wasn't a lot of emotion, but you still got to find a way to, to at least come away with something. And and they got nothing out of it. And I think that it was just kind of a confirmation of what so many people had thought from the outside that this was a team that that did not have uh, a great chance. I didn't think it would go as badly as it did, and I certainly gave them the benefit of the doubt that it could potentially work over three games, but it didn't. So yeah, now now everything's up for debate.
Right. And we see that in these short tournaments, I mean, that's why you don't really want to have all very definitive opinions because three games, so many right. random little things can happen. And we're seeing that. I mean, this is a perfect segue. There's a reason why I'm a, I'm a podcasting professional. Um, <laughs> it's a team Europe where, uh, heading into the tournament, they were, I think like the 33 to one or something like that. Right. To, uh, yep to be the champion and you know it still seems like it's a long shot but at least they have a fighting chance now that they're in the final and and it, it, it's 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 a fascinating group because it is sort of this ragtag group of players from different countries and it seemed like a gimmick at the time i i, I remember when the groups were released it kind of seemed like i don't know maybe this isn't this isn't, this isn't fair to the other teams of all but it did seem like team europe and team czech republic were basically there as sort of filler for canada and the u.s to get out of the group stage and play each other on a bigger platform because that would be obviously a huge draw for the NHL but it's they've managed to make it work somehow I mean Yaro Halak has been amazing I think he's probably been their best player and and they've had guys like Kopitar and Yossi shouldering heavy workloads and, and doing really well but I don't know how how have they managed managed to make it this far yeah well I, I think it's it's for one Ralph Kruger deserves a lot of credit because um, all those players said that after those first two exhibition games against Team North America they really had a better idea of how they needed to play. Um, and, and they had to have structure and, and they have good veteran players, I guess, part of building the team, you know, they're the oldest team in this tournament. And part of, part of the building that team that way, it gave them a lot of really responsible players. And I, you know, I worried greatly about their decor and the, the age, the, 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 the speed, you know, there was not a lot of speed there, mm-hmm. um, outside of Yossi. Um, but you know, I, I still thought, you know, if they, if they can, you know, play smart hockey, they're going to have a chance. And that's what we've seen. I mean, really against um, Sweden, one of the things I noticed in the semifinal was uh, Europe played much more aggressively, particularly in the second period. They started, you know, generating more. They were getting up the ice more quickly. And Sweden was playing more conservatively. So they read games very, very well. They make adjustments very, very well. Um, you know, they, they, Jarl Halak, clearly the key, but what they've been able to do is 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 play such a structured style that you know they're they're limiting quality chances. They they know they're going to get outshot. They're going to you know Halak's got to make that first save for them or the second save, um, and then they 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 jump on those opportunities. And we saw them do that um, particularly against Sweden, where where Sweden was just giving them way too many chances, um, and they were taking advantage of it. And so. Uh, saw it against the Czech Republic. They, you know, they Czechs make a mistake. They're pouncing. Uh, saw it against the U.S. They didn't have many opportunities against the U.S., but they were when they got the free look, they took it. Um, so yeah, so that's really that's kind of how Finland has built such a, a great international resume. Is that they will play a team de- defense. They understand, you know, that they they have to to pick their spots and that they're going to have to make those count. Um, and it d- doesn't always work, but there's a reason that they've continually won Olympic medals and that they've had more success at the world junior and world championship levels. Um, and it's because of that style. And so that that structure, I think that that is what Europe has, has really managed to get through. And again, you know, you, you know, it's a short tournament, things happen, you get a bounce here or there. You do need some luck to mm-hmm. get through this yep. and they've had that. 
Um, and, and they've they have the guys like a Drysidel or, or Kopitar where where they're skilled enough. Uh, Hosa obviously Gabrick where they're skilled enough to make make other teams pay when they do make mistakes. So I think that's the value of having a veteran team, particularly a team with like a lot of guys that have played internationally, mm-hmm. because it's the same thing on the big ice. You you just have to take advantage of what's given to you. Yeah, well, it's amazing. I mean, a guy like Kopitar, for example, uh, he's had so much success at the NHL level, and he's won Stanley Cups, and it, 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 he's making a lot of money now with his latest contract extension. But still, it feels like he doesn't get the the, the credit he deserves as sort of uh, being an upper echelon player among, amongst the very best in the league. And it's kind of cool to see him. He really is kind of dragging this team along. Other guys have contributed, <laughs> of course, but really, like when you look at especially the forward core, it's like he's really the one name that sticks out as as being an elite player that could really play up against any of these other guys and on say team Canada or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been amazed at, at him and just the sheer amount of, of time he he's playing against top players and, and, and still managing to, to be a force at both ends of the ice. Um, and it also speaks to the value of having, guys like that you know going back to the u.s they didn't have that one guy that was stepping up and was making every play they needed him to make that that was going to give them the good minutes that that was going to be a guy you could throw over the boards in any situation that's what kopitar is he, he you just put him out there and he gives you a, a good shifts every time out he was on the ice for the game-winning goal no surprise there you know he's he's making things happen uh all, all the time so yeah for me you know obviously when when you, if you watch the game a lot or you know if you follow the game closely you know about Kopitar I think that you know it's it's certainly beyond time for him to be considered you know top five top seven you know somewhere in there he's that caliber of player and I think that uh, you know people are, are seeing that in this tournament and seeing the way that one guy really can at various points take over a shift take over a game uh, and make all the difference. So if Yaro Halak stands on his head and improbably <laughs> leads Team Europe to victory over Canada here, would that be more impressive to you than uh, that that run he had for the Canadians where he beat the uh, the, the Penguins and the Capitals? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, because you know he he's got he's got. Uh, I did mention the aging decor; they're still there. Yeah, um, they're going to have their hands full with, with Canada, and we they they know that they're going to get outshot. I think if he does stand on his head in this, he's he's going up against the one of the best forward groups. I've seen Canada put together ever. I mean, really, it's it's up there with, you know, the Gretzky era teams and, uh, you know, that, that didn't have as much success internationally, but still on paper were just ridiculous. And and this team uh, certainly is that. So, yeah, if, if Halak can, can win two of three somehow, I think that'd be one of the, the, the most incredible accomplishments uh, for any goalie at any point. I mean, he obviously carried the Canadians in that series and, and, and the playoffs are a whole different story and it's a grind. But I think if you can manage to to go best on best and win two out of three, um, there's something really, really special about that. And uh, I guess uh, I guess the New York Islanders don't have a goalie controversy anymore. No, no, it seems like it's been settled. <laughs> uh, yeah. Chris, man, uh, thanks for taking the time to come on the show. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a, a belated appearance, but uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad it finally happened. Well, I am honored. It's uh, you, you run a great podcast here. I really enjoy listening to it, and I think it's uh, great for hockey fans to uh, to get uh, all all different perspectives. So I really appreciate you asking, and it was a real pleasure to be with you on this podcast. Well, here. it's just cool to have hockey to to talk about, man. I feel like it's uh, it's been so long, and and the World Cup has been a pleasant surprise. As we said, uh, what what are your what are your plans for the coming season? Do you have any any projects in the work, or, or is it going to be just kind of status quo? Yeah, just uh, I guess grind, grind, grind. You know, mm-hmm. try and try 
try and get through uh, another long season. Uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun covering the league and um, trying to cover it at all all angles and in all areas. And I, you know, one of my things that I try to do as much as possible is is, is shine a light on some of the the less talked about things and and you know just trying to get uh, especially when it comes to the young players in the league. Um, you know, we we certainly need uh, as a, as a hockey community uh, need to to jump on board with with promoting some of these young players because as we saw with Team North America, the future of this league is incredibly bright and those young guys are among the most exciting we have in the league so uh certainly that's that's going to be a priority coming out of this world cup is hopefully those guys are, are going to get a lot more attention um and they certainly deserve it but yeah man it's i i, I love the game it's 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 it doesn't feel like work when uh when, when we've got uh, so many great players to uh to follow and track and, and certainly some great teams so I'm, I'm very much excited i think this is gonna be an unpredictable year mm-hmm. uh just like last year was and yeah let's keep it rolling it should be a good time it's very well said uh finally this is this is the part of the show where i let you plug some stuff so where can people find your work and where can they follow you online yeah well uh cbssports.com if you want to uh go right to the nhl it's just cbssports.com backslash nhl mm-hmm. uh all all my uh, writing will be there and uh on twitter i'm at chris m peters m is in murica um so that is uh that's <laughs> that's what it is uh but yeah i hope you follow along and yeah Dimitri, thanks so much, man. It's just, this is a, a pleasure and honor to be on the PDO cast. I, I can't believe it. Oh, that's very this kind is of a, a dream, dream come true, that's really. Very kind of you say. All right, man, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll chat soon. I'll make sure to have you back on, okay? All right, great. Thanks, man. The Hockey PDO cast with Dimitri Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDO cast. Mm-hmm.